Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 26th of July. I'm Robert Barwick, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, economist John Adams. Welcome, John. Hi, mate. How are you going? Very good. Thanks for coming back. No problems. In this week's CEC Report, the establishment has abandoned Australians to economic Armageddon. Now, before I get into our discussion with John, a um, couple of things to say. The CEC's petition on bail-in is more important than ever. Now, we've got um, quite a few thousand signatures on it, but this is something that John and I will talk about in a minute. We were talking about with members of Parliament in Parliament this week. That petition calls for an amendment to the bail-in law passed last year, and we've, we've initiated the discussions to get that amendment rolling. All right, so what we need is as many... If you, if you the viewer, haven't signed our petition on bail-in, if you're watching on YouTube, the link will be on um, below. Um, otherwise, call into our office and get a copy of it so that you can sign that petition. We need to get a lot of signatures on this so we can start distributing among members of parliament, submit it to parliament, etc. So I wanted to say that. The other thing I wanted to say is quickly, um, the, as usual, if there's anything on the show you want more information on, feel free to call in on our toll-free number and get a free copy of the weekly Australian Alert Service in which we report the, the, um, uh, in depth the, 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 the topics that we discuss on the show. Right, so the, the toll-free number's on the screen for you to do that. Um, and we'll also put the contact details for John's website up so you can, so you can see his elaborations on the subjects that he'll raise in, to, in today's show as well. All right, so with that out of the way, let's get started. Welcome again, John. Hi, mate. All right, so um, we want to cover a few topics today. Sure. One is economic Armageddon, mm -hmm. which is a concept that's, that's very much associated with you. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about the political eruption in the city of Mandurah in Western yep. Australia, yep. which um, we had a little bit to do with. Yes. And, and finally, let's talk about what's been going on in Parliament this week as we were, bo as we were both there. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but I thought, let's, in, before you talk about Armageddon or to set the scene for that, mm -hmm. Philip Lowe gave a speech yesterday. That's right. right? And there was all sorts of speculation about what he was going to say. Um, perhaps he didn't go as far as, as some people were predicting. Mm -hmm. Right where he's, he was going to lower the, the or, or raise the uh, inflation target to justify more action, but what he did say, this is this is his quote: um, "Whether or not further monetary easing is needed, it is reasonable to expect an extended period of low interest rates." So he's put the low into low interest rates. Yes, that's correct. But they're already we've already had an extended period of low interest rates, and he's yes. made them much lower. And this very much is part of where you what you fear is leading to an economic Armageddon scenario. Absolutely. The biggest debt bubble in the history of the country, at the same time we've got the biggest debt bubble in the history of the world. Uh, these ultra-low interest rates has been a key catalyst for why we have these, uh, why we have this bubble. Um, you know, the Reserve Bank is stuck. We've got massive policy failure because if they raise rates, we will have a depression because people can't pay. People, according to Martin North, a million households are struggling to pay the, the, yeah, the, their, yeah. their mortgages at the current interest rates, even though in the last two months we've had two rate cuts from one and a half down to one percent, if they ever try to normalise interest rates, which would take back the cash rate to about five percent, we would have a major recession. And you're depression. in Victoria, which, as Peter Brain pointed out on a very highly rated show that you did with him, Victoria, if it was a country, has the highest household debt to GDP in the world. Yeah, in this state. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so um, so so we've got interest rates stuck. Um, uh, both in Australia and around the world. So it makes no, it wasn't a surprise to me that Philip Lowe said that. And, and what we're seeing from the government and the Reserve Bank and APRA is this, what, what I described on the show with Martin North is the kitchen sink strategy. They are throwing every single per 
conceivable policy lever to stabilise the debt bubble, to, to get house prices back up, to, to keep people in construction jobs. Um, and how they're doing that, they're sucking in a new generation of Australians into debt. So you don't believe them that this is all about maximising employment? No, no, of course not. Of course not. Um, no, the thing is, like you know, I mean, they talked about in the last few months about a hundred thousand people can't get work, um, and, and their focus is about that. Well, were they talking about a hundred thousand people last year? Of no, course not. No. The, 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 I mean, the real story is that in the first three months of, of two thousand nineteen, there was evidence to suggest that we were seeing the same early warning indicators of a systematic collapse, like in Ireland. Um, and so since the election, they are throwing everything they can to stabilise the bubble, because um, if they don't, um, we will end up like Ireland sooner rather than later. Yeah. But in the, so, so Armageddon will come, uh, but in the process of them doing that, they are trying to suck in more Australians into debt, more Australians into property. And this is where uh, Minister Suka has been saying to people, take a chance on property. Uh, he's been saying to the regulators, go easy on the banks. And, you know, uh, during my time in Parliament this week, um, members of Parliament in the government on the backbench were, were horrified that Minister Suka would, would advocate for Australians to buy or sell a particular asset because so there was one MP I spoke to in, in particular and that MP and I have the clear view that it's not the role of any Commonwealth Minister to tell any Australian to buy or sell a particular asset. Um, but, but that's what Suka is doing, uh, and we know why he's doing it, um, and, and it's, got, it's very bad politics. Well, uh, and, that, and that Jolly Swagman podcast um, person, mm-hmm. um, Joseph, he pointed out he went to an event this week, and mortgage brokers were saying the Prime Minister says it's a good time to buy. Now, that's um, re- as blatant as it gets. Right, yes. you suck. You know, a new family, a young family comes. Oh, should, should we buy a house? The prime minister says it's a good time to buy. Uh, uh, Scott Morrison and Michael Sook are going to pay their debt for them if they get into mortgage um, negative equity. Of course not. Well, well, not only that. Well, I reported on the show with Martin North. Certain members of parliament are in negative equity. And yeah. so, 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 I mean, yeah. So, I mean, like, not only will the government not bail out the people. Well, I mean, people in parliament are struggling with, with debts, negative equity, particularly over in Western Australia. So, 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 so again, um, but, 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 but I just want to make this point is, um, uh, now, I wrote an article, The Six Pathways to Economic Armageddon. Mm-hmm. So, so Armaged- I just want to be clear, Armageddon is not just one type of event. There's yeah. a multitude of events. Uh, it could be a, a deflationary property crash, uh, recession, depression. It could be um, a default on the foreign debt. It could be runaway inflation. So, so we'll put the, we'll put the link up uh, um, uh, on the screen for people to see. But, but, the, but the key point is, is that what they are doing now, uh, particularly with the ECB overnight saying they're going to start implementing stimulus next week, the U.S. Federal Reserve will cut rates. I mean, the, the, the world central banks are putting, pushing um, uh, ultra monetary stimulus mm. into the system, and, and that has the potential to to lead to to a significant bout of stagflation, which Alan Greenspan and and, and Mario Draghi and others have said that's a big concern, um, and, and that will wreck. Uh, major havoc on the Australian people. So yeah, so runaway inflation is is as horrific in terms of Armageddon as a property crash in terms of Ireland. And I just want to make that point because you know Martin North and and, and, other, and Steve Keen are just talking about uh, a property crash and a recession resulting from that. But that that and that's a likely scenario. But that's not the only scenario that may manifest itself. Because the other aspect to it is it's a bit of a it, it is a catch twenty two, right? 
trying to address to avert one, they're causing the other. Potentially so, yeah. Right? Um, for instance, we've had, we, as you know, 10 years ago, the CEC was warning about hyperinflation from quantitative easing. Yes. Now, that hasn't materialised in the way that we expected and, so, and, 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 and the way many people expected. It wasn't just us. But there's all this extra money pumped into there. The problem is the, the banks didn't put it back into the system through lending, etc. They tended to hang on to it and speculate among themselves and, and things. And we've had asset price inflation, hence these bubbles, but not the kind of hyperinflation we feared. However, after 10 years of quantitative easing, they can't unwind it. No. So every time they go to, that triggers a, it, yes. it risks a meltdown. And they're acknowledging it can't work. And so now we're getting the more explicit discussion of things like helicopter money, yes, right, which is to get into the hands of the consumers because which it's their admission to say that, well, the QE hasn't achieved what we hope. We've got to go further. And those are the steps that will... Um, cause hyperinflation or potentially cause hyperinflation. Sure, yes. So, so we have a, a global regime of permanent debt monetization. Bernanke promised Congress he could reverse QE within 15 minutes. Categorical lie. They've started. I mean, the the, the U.S. Federal Reserve balance sheet went from 800 billion to 4.5 trillion. They've wound it back to about 3.9 trillion, and they can't go any further. Otherwise, they're going to cause a major new global financial crisis. That's why Trump and others have called for new rounds of quantitative easing and, and we basically uh, have global debt monetization. Um, and, and that will lead to um, problems with, with the value of currencies, not just the Australian dollar, but the euro, the US dollar, etc. Um, and when that happens, the average citizen who, have not, who, who doesn't have uh, the means to protect their purchasing power, that will cause major um, economic pain on them and that's a form that's yeah. a different form of economic pain to what the Irish experienced 10 years ago yeah, so, yeah. So, so that's important to just notify to yeah, the, the viewers. Before we go to a break tell your viewers about your interview with your and Martin North interview with Dr Peter Brain because that's and people should watch that we'll put the link up on the screen yeah this is a very important interview you did where he's, he's laid out a pretty stark scenario. Yes, yes. So we interviewed Dr. Peter Brain. Why? Because Australia has two debt bubbles, not one. We have a household debt bubble and we have a foreign debt bubble. And everything that the government is doing uh, at the moment is to stabilise the housing debt bubble. But uh, Dr. Peter Brain argues that that will have an ultimate consequence uh, in terms of the foreign debt the serviceability of the foreign debt, the value of the currency, and, and, and we, could, uh, we could see a, a, a national crisis, uh, a balance of payments of crisis, because we're trying to stabilise one bubble. So, mm. so, yeah, two bubbles, they are linked. If, you save the, if you've saved the first, uh, you could cause a problem with the second bubble. And we spoke to Peter, Dr Peter Brain for 40 minutes on that program, and it's on, on the interests of the people. And he's the author of the, your, your favourite book there. Yeah, Credit Code Red. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the shenanigans in Mandurah. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where I'm talking to my special guest, economist John Adams, about the establishment has abandoned Australians to economic Armageddon. And now let's talk about the abandoned part right now. So, John, um, as many of the viewers would know, and maybe first-time Perth viewers may not know, but John and I are East Coasters. John's from Wollongong. I'm from Melbourne. We visited Western Australia a few weeks ago, got to see Mandurah, and did a show on it. And yes. that show, you can safely say it struck a chord with the locals. Correct. And hit a raw nerve with the politicians. Absolutely. So what's the latest? Tell us what, expand on what's happened since sure, then. Sure, sure, yes. So basically before we went to Perth, I was talking to some of the locals, some of my contacts, and one person said there was for sale signs in Mandra 
um, and, and that in, 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 like straight away said, oh wow, I'm gonna go see that. So when we were planning our trip, I said to you, let's go to Mandra. We obviously went down there, we did the filming, we did the show, the Economic Massacre of Mandra, which is on the Interest of the People show. Um, basically got 30,000 views, uh, got reported front page on the uh, Mandra Coastal Times last week. Uh, then the politicians came out and attacked us. Um, from the mayor to the state MP, who's the, who's a Labor MP, to the federal MP uh, Andrew Hasty, they said we were over the top. We exaggerated fake statistics, fake news propaganda, whatever they wanted to say. Um, and, and that has know, proved to be very foolish, I think, for them to have done that. Well, yeah, so, so so very foolish. Uh, I have received a lot of feedback from locals. Uh, I, I mean, a few, like so, a few days ago, a small business owner in Mandra who's a former police officer who actually goes to the same church as Mr. Hasty, basically said, not only did we, he, he said, you didn't over-exaggerate, you underreported how bad it is, particularly on the drug issue, the crime issue, and, the, and how bad the youth unemployment issue is. And so the locals in the town know that we were, our reporting was accurate. Um, uh, and, and so we, we obviously did part two on Mandra, where we said that the establishment has attacked Adams and North. Um, and we basically, you know, pushed back against the politicians and said that, you know, it is a fundamental problem that, that the, the, you know, the people know around the country there's a problem with debt, with, with the property sector, with the economy. And yet the, 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 the prime minister right throughout the federal parliament uh, and even the, even in the state parliaments among the major parties, they keep on saying everything's great, everything's fine, everything's stable. Um, you know, get out there, borrow, spend, uh, etc. And, and and like you know, at some point, the, the the BS is going to evaporate in the politicians uh, uh, in their faces. Um, and, and I think Mandra is quite important because Mandra is ground zero. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you had Philip Sue's last week here. So normal terms, 30% down on, on property prices, real, in real terms, 40%. Uh, rents down 30%. Uh, you know, youth uh, unemployment, significant problem. Uh, you know, the drug problem in Mandra is so bad that the locals call it not, uh, um, uh, they call it methandra. Methandra, yeah. Methandra yeah. because of, of the meth ice problem. So, so huge problems down there. And obviously part of the reason why we did that show, and we did a show about Perth with uh, the Honourable Charles Smith, um, is to tell people on the East Coast if the property market uh, falls in Sydney and Melbourne, how bad can things get from an economic and a social perspective? Well, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think Western Australia and Mandra in particular uh, are, are that, as, as Martin North said, the forward and leading indicator as, as to how things how bad it happened, and, and, and we haven't started Armageddon. That, you know, we haven't. We don't. So we haven't reached a systemic crisis yet. And so, people and the locals were asking me this question this week: Will it get worse in Mandra? One hundred percent, it will get worse. Yeah, it's not going to sure. get any better. No. Well, as we discussed on the show, um, the property market ain't going to get any better with all those for sale signs. And we were told, were we not, that the for sale signs we see are only uh, some of it. Yes. There's plenty of homes for sale without for sale signs, right? Yes, 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 yes. So some of the locals said that if you look at the online listings, there are more uh, either for sale or for rent where the property does not have a sign in the front of the property. And so the, the so all we did was video evidence of, of the for sale signs we could see or for the rent signs, uh, but, but apparently the situation is much worse. But I haven't had the ability to verify going street by street and looking at, well, which houses 
are on the market that don't have a sale. I was struck by the number of people that that made the point to me that you know this has been going on. That the Perth property decline started in 2014, mm. whereas what happened on the east coast here started in 2017. Correct. Right? Yeah. So it's, right. it's it's been a longer, slower burn. Yes. But it's 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 always in the same direction. And Martin North's point, as you said, was there's a lag between when he first started seeing that Mandurah was the centre of mortgage stress yes. to now Mandurah has all these people trying to bail out, right? And so that's the lesson for us on the East Coast. Um, now, some people have tried to rationalise it and say, oh, look, Mandurah is just this holiday town. It was, it was, you know, there's no industry there. There's, there's nothing to support an economy anyway. Well, that's fine, but it still had a boom. It led the boom in Australia, right? And now it's leading the bust. And what's left is... The debt that yeah. no one can pay, the drugs. and the social problems, yeah, the massive right. social. That's why we had to highlight those things. Absolutely. And the um, the the, uh, the the politicians didn't like it. So, what do you think is going on in their heads, though? What when 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 it's when these local politicians are so obviously confronted with the same reality as the rest of their constituents, but then someone like you comes along and puts gets national headlines for it. Why do they react this way they do, do you think? Sure. So, so I was shocked that Hasty came out uh, and, and attacked me and attacked the show. Um, uh, and he said we over-exaggerated our reporting. So and I, w- I got on the phone with Coalition. As a former Coalition advisor, I still have friendly relations with several senators and MPs. I got on the phone with some of them and said, calm Hasty down. I'm not the enemy. I'm, I'm here to actually help the nation. Uh, this is why I've been doing this for four years, um, and I said, if the guy wants a war, I'm ready. I'm ready to ready to take him on because his position is unsustainable. And so, a senator uh, did contact Hasty from from what this senator told me, and Hasty's position is he agreed with our show, but he felt that he had to stand up for his local constituency. Now, um, look, so, 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 so that's the rationale. And politicians think that we can't t- talk down the economy, we can't talk down our community, but what do people in the community want? They want an honest dialogue about the real situation. And this whole mantra from the, from the establishment, no, we, we can't front the people with the honest truth, that is, you know, I was during Parliament. I was speaking to a journalist um, in the press gallery, and they said that's the way politics is done in this country. And I said, well, that's that's a one way to do politics, but it's the wrong way, and that's not what people respect. Yep. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about our week in Parliament. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where economists John Adams and I are discussing the establishment has abandoned Australians to economic Armageddon. And John, this week we're in Parliament. Yep. Now, Wilson Sy and I went there to talk specifically about bail-in. You came along to talk about bail-in and more generally economic Armageddon. Mm-hmm. You put out this rather brilliant tweet. What was the purpose of this tweet? We'll put it up on the screen. What were you, sure, what's the message sure. you were trying to get across? So, so, so yeah, so I've said this on Martin North Show. I will say it again. Last December, I was in the office of a federal MP. They said to me that the establishment, as in, as in the cabinet, the, the RBA, APRA, they know there's a problem with the economy. Their strategy is plausible deniability. They don't want to take responsibility for what they've done to the Australian people and the economy. And therefore, they are trying to pretend that everything's okay and hoping that a global shock happens like Deutsche Bank. And then they can say, it wasn't us. It was this international event, Lehman Brothers, Deutsche Bank, whatever the case may be. So I put out this tweet and basically said, I am walking the, the great horse of power talking about economic Armageddon. So when, 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 when the crisis 
eventuates, whether it's a domestically inspired or f globally inspired, they can't say we didn't see it coming because I'm here. And this is the thing I told this MP. If you think, because I told, I told them, you know, uh, how can you have plausible deniability when I, when I exist? I have a website. I have a TV show. I've been, I have been writing for mainstream publications for four years about this. You know, you can't sustain this, this myth that no one can see a crisis is coming when you've got this massive structural imbalance in the Australian economy and the global economy. So yeah, so I walked the halls this week. I did meet uh, a few MPs. Um, yeah, and the first question, as per my tweet, an MP asked me, how long do we have? And, and here's the thing, and, this, and, and I made this point on, 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 uh, on a recent other program, and, and, and this is a key thing that people in Parliament don't understand. The IMF has said Deutsche Bank is the most dangerous bank in the world. Yep. If they, on Monday night, for example, declared insolvency, the markets will melt down within days. I mean, like literally within days because of how big these derivative things are. So, so again, people don't understand the risk. People don't understand how big it is. But, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, last month there was a bank in China that declared insolvency. Um, I spoke to an investment analyst in Sydney who part of her job is to study China. And I said to her, did you see this bank coming? She goes, we were blindsided. So people who are professionals studying the Chinese economy didn't see a, a, a bank coming. Well, it, you know, it could happen any day. I mean, I mean, that's how precarious the global situation is. But separate, separate to that, I mean, it could be, I mean, Dr. Peter Brain says by 2021, um, it's likely to happen. My, my position was we will likely see this crisis happen before the next election. Um, and I did say that, and I'm happy to say it on camera, the Prime Minister is completely not up to the task of leading the country through this period. And I told people, you know, since John Howard, and we, we, we may have a different view on John Howard, but, but he was competent in the role. We've had five Prime Ministers not up to the job, from Rudd, Gillard, Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison. And I said, I don't care about this revolving door uh, sickness. He's got to go. Morrison's got to go because he, this is the problem. People in, there are people in the backbench, in the government, who know who I talk to, they know there's a problem, um, they, they, they know that something has to be done, and yet they have told me to my face, the Prime Minister will not acknowledge there's a problem, the Prime Minister will not engage, the Treasurer won't engage, Minister Suka won't engage, um, and there's frustration on the backbench that they want to discuss, they want yeah. to, um, you know, consider some of the policies that we've been talking about, whether Glass-Siegel, bank reform, all of this sort of stuff, and yet the, the cabinet is have their hands over their ears and they just don't want to talk. Yet in a sense, by their actions, these extreme measures they're taking, talking up, you know, sucking people to the property market, 1% interest rates, etc. by their actions, they're acknowledging there's a problem. Yes. Do, the, do these politicians you talk to see that their actions prove there's a problem? Yes, yes. Look, people on the back bench have been horrified with some of the statements by Minister Suka. They've been horrified by some of the actions of the IBA and APRA, but also some of the statements by Frydenberg. Um, but, 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 but again, you know, e even on the issue of bailing, let, let, me, let me just make this point. I mean, so I, I mean, people can go to my website, adamseconomics.com. I wrote a two-part series on bailing just to provide some updates. I write a, give a free newsletter. A, a federal MP is on my database. He got my newsletter. He asked me point blank, do you think bail-in could potentially happen in Australia? I said, have you read the law? I said, no, his thing, I said, bail-in happened in 1892 in Australia. Um, it could happen again. And he, he effectively voted for it, and he's asking you that. Right. Yes. All right. And let me just say, um, when you say about p putting them on notice, you're there, they can't ignore you, 
before the global financial crisis, they tried to pretend no one saw it coming. This time, I think you're right. They won't be able to pretend that. Thanks very much, John, for Thank joining you. us today. Thanks to the viewer for watching. Tune in next week for more.